Hey, if you grab your Bibles, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 is where we're going to be today. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one there in the seat bag in front of you, or you'll see the words here on the screen in just a moment. But Luke chapter 18, we begin a new series today called Encounters with Jesus, Discipling the Modern Self. The series will be geared at us in this room, but it also, I pray, will be kind of an eye-opener, a heart-opener for those that we might be engaging with in our own community. But the series is called Encounters with Jesus, Discipling the Modern Self, and this will take us till about mid-May, and then in mid-May we'll start the book of James. That's going to be our summer series, so I encourage you to go ahead and already begin reading the book of James. But not too long ago, Stephanie and I, we went to a Thunder game, and uh, it had been a long time. The tickets were a gift, and the tickets included all-you-could-eat popcorn. And uh, my family knows this about me, and some of you do, but I absolutely love popcorn. Like, every day, I'm eating popcorn, and uh, unfortunately, it's, it's uh, microwave popcorn, uh, Neanne Clinton, so sorry about that. Uh, but I love popcorn. I eat it like every day, and so there I am at this Thunder game, and I'm like a kid in a candy store that's just been told you can have all-you-can-eat candy. Limitless popcorn? Like, are you kidding me? Just limitless. Not one of those, like, gimmicks at movie theaters, oh, you get only one refill. No, this was like limitless popcorn. And so I just began to eat, like 30 minutes before the game, and just began to eat, and eat, and eat. Stephanie got a little bit, and I just began to eat, and eat. And when I was done with that bucket, lo and behold, a new bucket just magically appeared. We didn't even have to raise our hands. It just appeared, and I ate. Stephanie had a little bit, and I ate, and I ate some more. Well, after some time, maybe even by halftime, I don't even know, I felt miserably sick to my stomach. And that's the interesting bit about it. What I initially felt was freedom and the excitement and the freedom of, yes, yes, it's all mine. Yes, it's limitless. Yes, you can have it all. But that freedom turned into what Mark Sayers, a pastor, might say, it turned into the prison of yes. A kind of hideous slavery. And my mind entered into a moment in which I could not hardly find myself desiring popcorn under any circumstances. Yet I kept eating, and I just kept eating. And lo and behold, another bucket just appeared. I mean, again, we didn't even have to raise our hands. Now, why? Why would I keep eating? What was going on internally? Because no matter how sick I felt, no matter what I was doing to myself and my body, no matter how sick my soul ended up feeling by the end of it all, it didn't matter. I just kept eating. Why? Because I was promised limitless popcorn. And therefore, because of that promise, I told myself I have a right to this limitless popcorn no matter what. So I must keep eating. And I must keep eating. And that, in many ways, is a picture of the modern self. No doubt yourself. No doubt the people you work with. 
the people you go to school with, the people you maybe even have under the same house, roof as you. You and I, the modern self, living specifically in our culture in this particular moment in time, we have been promised limitless everything. Get on your streaming platforms at home on your TV. Maybe it's Hulu, Amazon, Netflix, Apple TV. I don't know, whatever it is for you. You could just eat and eat and eat. And that's true of even cable TV, whatever it is you've got, to find that, lo and behold, a bucket just keeps reappearing before you. Over and over again, never ending. You don't even have to pick up the remote. It'll go to the next bucket for you. Never ending entertainment, limitless. All you have to say is yes. Get on your various media platforms, your phones, your tablets, your computers. Get on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, whatever it is. You can just eat and eat and eat. It's the reason why it's called my news feed. To find that, lo and behold, a bucket just keeps appearing before you over and over again, never ending. It's limitless. The scrolling, rightfully labeled infinite. Look up your travel destinations along with all the accommodations. Do you want mountains? Do you want the sea? Do you want rivers? Do you want the plains? Do you want houses, apartments, hotels, one room, 19 rooms? How many beds do you want? What kind of amenities do you want? Because whatever you want, whatever you like, whatever you need, it's yours. The choices, the options are limitless. It's like standing before a wall of uh, paint samples, right? We've all been in this moment right here, right? Options, shades, colors. How do you decide which shade of green to go with? It's never ending. Or we've all been in the car dealership or the restaurant or the store, just driving down the street. Whatever color, whatever shape, whatever size, whatever model, whatever taste, whatever, 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 it's yours. The promise is it's all included. So just keep eating. Keep eating. Keep eating. And then you come into the church gatherings, specifically in the West. Whatever music, whatever lights, whatever size, whatever speaker, whatever shape, whatever color, whatever model, whatever sounds, whatever message, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's why you're getting signs like this. This community church put this on their sign one day. Classic service, 8 a.m., Contemporary service, 9 a.m. Mid-century modern service, 10 a.m. Post-modern service, 11 a.m. The boomers service at noon. Millennials, 1 p.m. Blended service, 2. Happy hour service, 4 p.m. It's all yours. And when you run out of a bucket, lo and behold, the bucket just keeps reappearing. Over and over. So just keep eating. Just keep saying yes. Just keep eating and eating. But after a while, and I think we're beginning to see the effects bubbling at the surface of our conversations, our thoughts, our relationships, our hearts, our minds, our souls. After a while, there comes a sickness that just begins to settle in. And you begin to become miserable. And that's the interesting bit about it. 
what we initially feel is freedom. Because that's what we're promised, the freedom of yes. It's all mine. I have it all, never ending. Limitless data, limitless movies and pictures and videos, songs, everything. But that freedom will inevitably turn into the prison of yes. A kind of hideous slavery. And our minds will enter into a moment in which we could not hardly find ourselves desiring the whatever under any circumstances. And this is where many of your coworkers are at. Many of your fellow classmates. Many of some of your family members. Maybe even where you're at here today. But here's the odd thing. We just keep eating though. And we just keep eating. And another bucket appears. And we keep eating. And then another one. Why? Why do we keep eating? No matter how sick we feel, no matter what we're doing to ourselves and our bodies, no matter how sick our souls feel by the end of it all, why do we keep eating? Because we've been promised that it's all limitless. It's all yours. So therefore, because of that promise, we've told ourselves, man, I have a right to the limitless. No matter what, so I'm just going to keep eating and I'm just going to keep eating. It's all mine. I never have to say no. It's like that crafty voice said in the distant garden, you don't have to say no. Just help yourself. Eat. Look upon that desirable fruit. It's delicious. Just eat and eat and eat. Surely you won't die. So over these next several weeks, I want to look at discipleship. And we hear that word. We throw it around a lot in in church settings and stuff. What in the world is discipleship? The word simply just means to follow. To follow someone as your master. And there was a lot of teachers in Jesus' day. And there was a lot of people just following these teachers. What it meant was that they were following what they had to say, what they had to teach. And in a way, the disciples were conforming themselves to that teacher. So the word simply means to follow someone as your master. We have this today. People follow all sorts of people on social media or in the news or in movies. We follow them, and some people even conform their lives and their behavior to them. So thus, Christian discipleship is us following Jesus as our master, following Jesus' teaching, following Jesus' way of life, being conformed to his image, not our image, not the cultural image, but being conformed to his image in its entirety. So it's you and I being conformed to the image of Jesus in every way of life. But what I want to specifically look at over these next few weeks is what prevents us in this room or those in our culture, what's preventing us from Christian discipleship? Why is it so hard? Why are we discipleship why has it become like this barren desert why is it so hard to get somebody to follow jesus what's preventing us the modern generations living and breathing here in the 21st century what's preventing us from drawing near to each other discipling each other into being conformed to the image of jesus what's presenting us preventing us from fully and wholly following jesus now i'm not talking about attending a service We might say, well, COVID, that messed things up, and that's why our our attendance is is messed up. I'm not talking about attendance. This happened long before COVID. What I'm talking about is what is preventing the modern self from having communion with the Father, fellowship with Him, 
abiding in Him, living in Him, walking in Him, obeying Him, consuming ourselves in His Word or in prayer. What's hindering us from Christian discipleship? Deep communal prayer, scripture reading and meditation, ironing, sharpening iron, confessing sins to one another, spurring one another on to loving good works. What is preventing discipleship in the modern self? Well, we're going to look at several ideas over these next couple of weeks. Some things that are preventing the modern self from really buying all in. But I want to start here. Christian discipleship, following Jesus, requires embracing the freedom of no. It requires leaving or turning from the prison of yes, which is basically a promise of freedom by the culture, but it's a prison of yes. It requires leaving, turning from that to the freedom of no. Now before we look at Luke 18, we cannot misunderstand what Jesus is saying nor what I'm saying here today. Jesus is not merely calling us into a life of suppression as an end in itself. That's not what we mean by this freedom of no. At the heart of of the call to follow Jesus is, as we're told, to deny self. Hence, deny the modern self. Say no to the modern self, which is consumed with the yes to everything mentality. Deny self, but then take up your cross and follow me. What Jesus does is, and his calling is, he calls us from something to something. He doesn't just call us from an old life, to leave an old life and then that's it. Okay, I just need to stop doing A, B, or C. I just need to give up that and then all all is good. No, he, he calls us to a new life. He calls us out of the darkness to live in the light. He doesn't say put off the old and that's it. The overall objective, the calling, is not just to rid ourselves of the flesh. No, he says, it also entails putting on the new, putting on the new humanity, living in a different way, thinking, acting, reacting in a different way, abiding in me, remaining in me, living in me. So he calls us from a life characterized by sin and brokenness and death and limitless eating on everything the world has to offer. He calls us from all of that, and then he calls us to pursue him, to follow him, to live a life now characterized by the Spirit of God. All the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. C.S. Lewis, in talking about this very similar thing, said nearly every description of what we shall ultimately find, if we do follow Jesus, contains an appeal to desire. If there lurks in us the notion that to desire our own good and earnestly to hope for the enjoyment of that good is a bad thing, C.S. Lewis said, I submit that this notion has crept in from the world. The culture has no part of the Christian faith. Indeed, he said, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, When infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies and mud puddles, 
because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. He said, we're far too easily pleased. We're far too easily pleased. We just keep eating and eating what the world has to offer. A commentator on Lewis's words said basically that if we're not careful, we can strip Christianity down to this, though. Doing the right thing is most essentially just a matter of self-denial, and that's it. So any positive relation that Christianity has to our own happiness or well-being, any essential connection between doing good and my good must be ruled out. So we've got to be careful here, because some would say if you're not miserable, then you must not be following Jesus. Because happiness and joy only comes when you fool about with immorality or when we are lovers of the world. So we'll often rightfully address the prosperity gospel, which says, hey, if you just have enough faith or you just believe enough, your health and wealth will come your way. Even though that's completely, in essence, contradiction to what Jesus said. If you have faith and follow me, this world's going to hate you and you're going to face a lot of tribulation and hard times. But what we can't take away from what Jesus is saying in this Luke 18 passage, or what I'm saying today, is we can't go to the other extreme and embrace poverty gospel. A gospel that says we must only inflict pain and self-denial upon ourselves as an end in itself. So if I have joy and happiness or desire such things in my following Jesus, then it must be that something is wrong, I'm in sin and in some way. That's actually not the truth at all. If anything, it's this truth. What Jesus offers is the sea. What the world offers is muddy puddles. So Jesus wants us to deny self, to put off the old, to leave the old life. He's calling us from that, but he's also calling us to a new life, to follow him, to abide in him, to put on the new. And that's the irony. When we do this, we actually find infinite joy, his joy. So at the heart of discipleship, at the foundation of this, is a call from Jesus to follow him. He's calling us from something to something, from muddy puddles to the holiday at sea. But with that requires a no, a no to that something. You must say no to a certain lifestyle. You must say no to a certain career, or no to a certain desire, or no to a certain relationship, and most definitely a no to this limitless everything this world is seeking to offer. It requires us to say no to self. No to anything and everything that prevents us from following Jesus as the master and Lord over our lives. You see this all throughout Jesus' encounters with people. He says, come, follow me. And in that, some, they leave their nets. And some, they leave their boats or their family. Some, they leave their water jug. Some, they leave their position, their money. Some, they leave their future, their societal status. Christian discipleship, following Jesus, requires leaving, turning from the prison of yes to the freedom of no. And that's the paradox Jesus seeks to reveal, that when we do that, infinite joy awaits us. As he said, listen, if you cling to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you would let your life go, you'll actually save it. So we need to understand, though, because of this, that Christian discipleship 
Again, it's about a call from something to something. It's a call from a prison of yes to the freedom of no. And because of that, Christian discipleship is in contradiction to the modern self and the modern culture. You want to follow Jesus, you will be in contradiction to your natural self that is a product of the sinful nature and on that, a product of the modern culture. And that is why it is so hard for so many that you and I converse with, talk with, maybe even live with. So hard for people to follow Jesus. But this is nothing new. Because again, the modern self is not just a product of the modern culture. It's nothing new. It's the product of the sinful nature, and it's as old as time. And we see this in Luke 18. So look at Luke 18, verse 18. And this is what we read. A certain ruler, other gospel accounts say a rich young ruler, asked Jesus, good teacher, rabbi, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus says, well, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, Jesus says. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall all honor your father and your mother. Verse 21, the, this is the rich young man's response. Well, all these I have kept since I was a boy, since I was young. Verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. There's one thing keeping you from eternal life. There's one thing keeping you from following me. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. And then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Verse 23, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him. And said, most likely now talking to his disciples, but still looking at the man, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard this asked, well, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter says to him, well, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to him, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. So here's this guy. A rich young man who clearly knows some things about the scriptures. 
And he confronts Jesus asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? A man probably of investments and money, a man who understood inheritance. I need to look after my inheritance. I need to make sure all my things are in order here. And what's interesting is Jesus, I think, intentionally skips the first few commandments about the man's relationship between him and God and then goes to the end of the Ten Commandments. And the man responds, says, oh, I've done all that since I was young. I'm good. And yet, the man was still holding on to something false. Not necessarily his money, but a false deity, a false god, a false idea. That the fleeting earthly riches this world has to offer is everything we could possibly want or need. His riches were his master. This is not Jesus telling every single one of us, if you want eternal life, sell everything and give it away to the poor. This is a very unique, specific situation in which this man's master was his riches. Until he was ready to say no to that master, he could not say yes to this master, Jesus Therefore, what Jesus is saying is, thus you cannot have eternal life. You cannot be my follower. The same is true for every single one of us. If there's something in our life that is the master of our life, he's saying, listen, until you turn from that master to me, you can't have eternal life. You can't buy into what the modern culture tells you, that you can have your cake and eat it too. It doesn't work that way. Thus, Jesus tells them, you need to go and sell everything. You need to give it away. Then you'll prove that you've kept the first few commandments. Then you'll have treasure. Not earthly treasure, but heavenly treasure. Then come follow me. And this man walked away full of sorrow. It's a strong word. He walked away deeply distressed, afflicted beyond measure, extremely very sad. It's the same word Matthew used in Matthew 26 when Jesus said, I'm at the point of death. Misery, torture, suffering. This is the moment this man is is in. And why is he walking away sad? Because he had very, very much wealth. And this is nearly the perfect description of the modern self. Because like this man in Luke 18, the modern self is unwilling to leave the prison of yes to enter the freedom of no. We've been told I can love the world and love God also. We've been told I can follow self, I can do me, I can create for myself my own image and follow Jesus also. We've told ourselves, I can take of this tree and not die. Like this man, the modern self is unwilling to give up something for everything. Unwilling to give up the muddy puddles for the infinite joy at sea. Like this man, the modern self is unwilling to give up the finite for the infinite. Like this man, the modern self is unwilling to give up the earthly for the heavenly. Like this man, the modern self stands in contrast or in contradiction even to Peter's words. 
We've left all that we had to follow you. Like this man, the modern self will keep oneself from Christian discipleship. Thus, so many people within the modern culture, maybe even in this room today, bound to the modern self, are walking away from Jesus or unwilling to follow Jesus as Master and Lord. And by doing so, the irony is, while they're initially filled with a sense of freedom promised by the culture, it turns out they're actually filled with sorrow, misery, torture, suffering to the point of death. It only seems that people's souls and minds and hearts, even though we have everything, are getting worse and worse and not better. As what Jesus is trying to reveal to the modern self, as he was trying to reveal to the modern self in his day, is that this has eternal, tragic consequences. If you cling to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you would let your life go, if you leave the prison of yes and step into the freedom of no, you would actually save it. So the question we must ask is, are we Peter or the rich young ruler? Well, I've gone to church my entire life. I've been a Southern Baptist good boy and girl for my entire life. I know all the creeds. I can quote the verses. Who cares? The call is to follow Jesus. And if if we're not following him, then we're only following either ourselves or the world or both. And what Jesus is trying to reveal is that this has eternal, tragic consequences. You have to leave the prison of yes and enter the freedom of no. In Luke 14, there were crowds gathering around Jesus. And he finally, there's so many of them, he turns to them and says, listen, if anyone comes to me, if anyone wants to be my disciple and follow me, And does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, he's not calling us to hate people. He's using the same extreme language as he was trying to get this rich young ruler to do. If I'm not your master... You can't be my follower. I don't care who you are, where you come from, what you've done. And then he says, you need to count the cost. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Later on, he says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So I'll tie it all together like this. I... Some of you recognize this picture. This is the saltwater taffy store at Silver Dollar City. And make no mistake about it, it's about as close as you're going to get to heaven here on earth, okay? And if you've been there, it's, it's, 
it's tradition, it's the last stop we do as we're leaving Silver Dollar City, we stop off in the saltwater taffy store, and it's the best of the best, right? My mother-in-law tries to bring me things from South Carolina, but I'm, no, 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 this, this is the best of the best. And as you go into this little store, there is flavor after flavor after flavor. Options galore. Anything you want. And it's limitless. They give you these buckets, and you just keep filling them, and you just keep filling them, and you just keep filling them. It's, it's incredible. Well, one time, I was holding my sack after having gone through the, the thing, and I'm sitting there waiting outside the store. And a lady comes out, and she kind of regathers with her group, and I kind of overhear what they say, and, and she comes out with nothing in her hands. And the group is like, hey, where, where's your bag? Where's your taffy? She said, oh, I, I couldn't decide. Y- you couldn't decide. Like, first off, what are you talking about you couldn't decide? But does that mean you, you didn't get anything? Like, what are you talking about you couldn't decide? And she only shrugged her shoulders. That's the paradox of the modern self. We have everything. Options, choices, limitless everything. We've been promised. It's yours. Yet we have nothing. We love popcorn. We hate it. We want it all. We want none of it. Jesus is offering a holiday at sea. He's offering us everything we've ever truly wanted. We were created by him and for him. But so many in the modern culture, maybe even some of us in this room, are sitting before mud puddles full of sorrow because we're unwilling to let go of the modern self, the prison of yes. Thus we walk away with nothing. And the promise of Jesus is, man, if you would give up everything and come follow me, I'm telling you, not only will you be rewarded in this life, but also in the life to come. Infinite joy. My joy. Jesus is calling us, leave your prison of yes and enter the freedom of no. Choose a new master. Come, follow Jesus. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm going to invite the team forward. And some of us today, I pray, would recognize we're we're this rich young ruler. What do I got to do to get eternal life? What what do I got to say? What do I got to memorize? What do I got to accomplish? It's not about you. It's all about Jesus and who he is and what he's accomplished. So the call is, if you want eternal life, come and die. Deny self. Deny that modern self that says, no, I can have it all. All of us have eaten of that fruit, of that tree. All of us are dead. And it's impossible for us to save ourselves. But nothing's impossible with God. He can save you. He can take you from death into life. From the modern self to the new self. 
But you got to leave the prison of yes and enter the freedom of no. You can't have it both ways. You can't love the world and love God. James would say, you make yourself an enemy of God if you love this world. Jesus said, listen, you can't have two masters. Because you're going be, to love the one and hate the other one. You're going to be devoted to the one. You're going to despise the other one. It's either Jesus or not. And if you say, man, I, I love the Lord, I'm in the Lord, I belong to the Lord, then, then you need to right now begin to pray for those in our modern, quote-unquote, culture. Because they are trapped in the prison of yes. They need to see the offer that Jesus has. You've got to pray for him by name. You've got to begin engaging with them in conversation. Don't let the modern self keep you from following Jesus as it does so many in our culture. Even as I pray, if you need to come forward, you do that to make a decision to pray. Even as I pray, you can come. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for you coming after us. We thank you for your call to come and follow Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we would not be the rich young ruler, but that we would be Peter and declare we have left everything to follow you. May we leave the prison of yes and follow you into the freedom of no, to your glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. As you guys stand as we sing this song, if you've got a decision to make, now's the time to do it.